there's a purpose in his little by little approach to life. There's a purpose in the way that he he rescues us and sanctifies us and sharpens us um, and is molding us little by little more into his likeness. Welcome to Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Five Love Languages. Our culture values grand displays of power and influence. It's easy to get caught in the comparison trap that pressures us to do more, try harder, or go big or go home. Rachel Adams was in that performance trap. Is that where you are today? If so, there's good news, and you'll hear from her straight ahead. Rachel's book is our featured resource today. It's titled, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. Find out more at the website, buildingrelationships.us. Gary, I think this is a really important principle that Rachel's going to talk about today, that God values the small things we do with all of our hearts. What do you think about it? You know, Chris, I think that's true, and I think we sometimes over, overlook that, and that's why I am really glad to have this conversation today. You know, I can look back at little simple things that I did that had a tremendous impact on someone's life. Uh, if we're doing it with our heart and doing it because we feel like God has led us to do this, it can be a, it, what appears to others to be insignificant, but to yes. that person and in God's eyes, it is really significant. So I hope our listeners will stay tuned today because this concept is going to be very, very helpful. Writer and podcaster Rachel Adams started her ministry to help women realizing their God-given purpose and significance. She's host of the Love Offering podcast that features real stories of women who are living out their faith. Rachel and her husband, Brian, run a family business and farm in Kentucky with their two children, Will and Kate. You can find out more about her and her featured resource at buildingrelationships.us. It's buildingrelationships.us. Well, Rachel, welcome to Building Relationships. Hey, Gary. It's, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Why don't you give us a little more detail about your family, your life? Uh, Chris mentioned the farm and all of that. So tell us a little bit about your life. Well, I'm, I'm born and raised here in the same small lake town here in Somerset, Kentucky. And so I went away just briefly to college and met my husband, Brian, the very first day of school. Uh, actually, <laughs> when I first saw him, he had a black eye from basketball. <laughs> he was a, oh, col- okay. a collegiate athlete, and I saw him for the first time. I thought, uh-oh, I better stay away from him. <laughs> uh, but then uh, he actually tells the story that he saw me and then went home and told his parents that he knew he was going to marry me that day. Whoa, um, and all right. <laughs> I know, right? And so, uh, and he was right, and God kind of probably looked down and, and laughed at me and my inaccurate assumption about my husband because now we've been together for 20 years and married for 16 and moved him to my small Kentucky Lake town. And now we have two children, Will and Kate, who were uh, named before the royal couple <laughs> got married. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and then they are, um, they're both in middle school. And so they're just very active in their extracurricular activities. And so Uh, My husband does work at the family business. My dad actually started that business uh, when I was first born. And so my husband now works there and we run that as as a family. And we just moved to a 
a farm. It's a small hobby farm that we have big dreams for, but at this point, it, it's a lot of gravel and, and dirt and it looks like a lot of work still left to do. <laughs> but maybe one day in retirement, we'll, we'll be able to, to have some crops and, um, and some animals someday. Yeah, well, you can begin by just planting a few seeds, okay? That's our theme anyway, right? Little things matter. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, we're talking about A Little Goes a Long Way, your new book. So did you write this out of your own search for significance, or where did it come from? Where was it birthed? Absolutely. It, it was just this tension of, you know, here I am in a a small town. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and my days look very similar every single day. On my best days, I wake up and make myself a cup of coffee and have my quiet time and pack my children's lunches and take them to school and walk my dogs and, you know, go to the post office, maybe go to the grocery and put a a meal in the crock pot and do some dishes, make some beds and, um, pay some bills and, you know, just run errands here and there, maybe attend a Bible study at church. And then I pick up my kids and go to a ball game, help with homework and, um, do it all again the next day. And sometimes it just kind of, it would be a, a conversation with the Lord, like, Lord, does any of this matter? I'm doing the exact same thing for the most part every single day. And it feels so small. It feels so unseen and routine and mundane. You know, I feel like my life is too small to make a big difference, but yet I want to make a big difference. And so mm-hmm. it was kind of this tension, this wrestling that I went to the Lord with and I went to his word. And uh, the more I studied his scriptures to search for his wisdom and his guidance, I, I started to realize that a significant life is actually much simpler and smaller than we think. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of stay-at-home mothers out there uh, who heard you rattling off all that stuff say, yep, that's what I do every day. <laughs> uh, and then there are others, of course, who are in the workforce, and uh, they're, you know, again, seeking. All of us want to make have a significant life, do something to enrich the world. And uh, But I think realizing that, you know, those little things are extremely important, particularly what you just described as a, the life of a mother. Why, why do we gravitate toward, you know, bigger is better? You know, I think a lot of people burn out just, you know, chasing a dream of significance and just push themselves. And, uh, why, why, why do you think that's such a concept in our country? Yeah, and I think you're exactly right. And I'm so glad you mentioned, you know, those those that are listening that may have a nine to five job, you know, whether you're a man or a woman, all of us are searching for significance. We want, we're here on earth, we want our life to matter, right? And, but yet everybody has their own routine and their to-do list, no matter what it is. If you're sitting in a cubicle right now and you're like, gosh, I'm, I'm just typing and answering emails and answering phone calls and having meetings, you know, we can all kind of just get into the humdrum mundane of whatever we're doing. And, and I think that this idea, culture just continues to tell us like bigger is better and that small is insignificant. And I think that it's a ploy of the enemy, if I'm being honest. I think, you know, in the very beginning in the garden, Adam and Eve, the devil looked at, at Eve and just said, look, I've got something bigger. I've got something different. I've got something better than what you already have and took her eyes off of what God had already given her to steward the, the perfection in many ways that she already had. 
And so I think he's doing the same thing with us today to keep our eyes off of what we're doing, to get us discouraged and have us to doubt that we do matter at all and that our contributions are too small for God to use. And so this just keeps us distracted. And if we get so discouraged in this this idea that our life is too small, then we quit and we do nothing at all. And of course, that's what he would want us to do. And so I think that we just really need to realize that we can't just keep just chasing the next thing. You know, it's like this insatiable thirst for that perfection that that Eve had. And we keep moving the finish line and we keep idolizing all these things when really we just need to keep our eyes on the Lord and realize that we are already significant. We, we're not going to get significant when we finally mm-hmm. accomplish something. We already are. Yeah. Significant because of who he is and who he made us to be and what he has done for us. Oh, wow. How about the church? You know, uh, has this concept, this feeling, you know, bigger is better and all, is that kind of st- per- pretty much permeated the church also? What, what do you think about that? I actually do think that it has permeated the church. Um, I think in many ways we're prone to believe that only the pastors or maybe the worship leaders or those, you know, people that have podcasts or books or, um, (laughs) you know, somebody that's up on a stage and somebody that has that limelight. um, Maybe we just even as a congregation think, gosh, they're making a much bigger difference than we are. How does my little life by writing letters or greeting or um, maybe folding the bulletins or being a van driver or a nursery worker, whatever your, your, your job or the way that you volunteer and serve in your church is, sometimes we can un, un, even underestimate and discount those ways. But, you know, the Bible talks about we're, we're the body and, and we all have a role. We can't all be up on stage or there'd be nobody to be listening, right? <laughs> um, and so I just really want everybody to believe that it it's all important. You know, the Bible talks about that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And and so really, what does it look like to continue to spread those seeds wherever we are, to continue yeah. to plant those seeds and water those seeds and let God um, make it grow? And I'm even thinking about Jesus, you know, when he, he taught and he walked along and he planted seeds, so to speak. I mean, he did, he did that wherever he went. He didn't just teach and preach in one synagogue and want that one synagogue to grow. Um, he wanted yeah. everywhere every place to grow um, and and to further the gospel. This is Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Five Love Languages. Rachel Adams is our guest today, and we're talking about her book, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. Just go to buildingrelationships.us to find out more. That's buildingrelationships.us. Rachel, as we continue our conversation, in your book, you give some biblical examples of ordinary people that God used for His greatness. Uh, why don't you share a few examples of that? Yeah, there are so many examples uh, in the Bible. I feel like it, the entire Bible is about how God used ordinary people to do extraordinary things. But a few uh, main examples that come to mind, you know, I think from the beginning, Abraham, you know, he and Sarah 
he, Abraham, was um, impotent and old, and Sarah was old and barren. And that's who, that's the couple that God chose to um, <laughs> further mm-hmm. to the generations that are still living now. You know, talk about something small and taking it a long way um, to, to be the generations that are going to number more than the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the seashore. And, mm-hmm. and so I think, you know, you start there and then you look at the life of David. He was the youngest and maybe least in his family. His own father overlooked him. Um, but he became, and it really, if you think about it, he was even a shepherd. He was, he was shepherding sheep and he was playing his harp. But that's who then God chose to defeat Goliath with a little sling and a mm-hmm. little a stone and became king and obviously even in the lineage of Jesus and then go into the New Testament. And I think about Paul. I mean, Paul was a persecutor of Christians when he was Saul Mm. and he had one encounter with Christ on the road and then started to be encouraged by Barnabas and the disciples. And then he continued to um, just learn and and preach and teach and write letters that we're still reading today. But so he he was a a persecutor of Christians, but then became like a, a, a preacher for Christ. And he really, you know, think about just really just taught and, and, and traveled and wrote letters and what a difference he made uh, in the early church that we're still experiencing today. And so those are just a couple examples. But again, the Bible is just filled every single character in the Bible. Um, we could say and make a, um, an argument, so to speak, that they were ordinary, but it was God who, who partnered with them and made their life extraordinary. Yeah. It's always his work in us, right? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, you also share how God created abundance out of little or, or turned the ordinary into extraordinary. Uh, can you give us some examples of that? Yeah, this is another, you know, the Bible is just filled with it. I think the one that maybe most of us are familiar with is the little boy who had the fish and the loaves that, hmm. you know, just brought his little sack lunch, you know, whether he packed it or his his mom packed it for him. Um, but he was just willing to give it. And then God ended up feeding the multitudes with it. And he is the one uh, that that multiplied it. And then I think about, you know, the widow's oil. Elijah, he um, just said, what do you have? And she said, well, I have the, just this little bit of oil. And, and she continued to be able to um, just fill more and more and more jars with that oil. And that was something that God did. That was something that he multiplied. Um, I think about just the disciples, you know, you talked about, we were just the ordinary nature of, of their jobs being fishermen and tax collectors and, and zealots and, that's who God used to advance the the church. You know, they yeah. just went about their days and and had conversations with people and traveled. And so I think about that if that's the way that the early church started, that's still our task uh, today. And so we can continue to further that message um, as we go about our days. You write that uh, God wants to use us for His will even though he doesn't need us to complete his will. Like sometimes we exalt ourselves. You know, God needs us. He's got going to get it done without us. Well, God, you know, God could use a billy goat, I guess. He used the donkey one time. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, what role uh, does our effort play in God's kingdom's plan? 
You know, this really is, this always baffles me every time I think about it. It, it does seem unfathomable that God would even want to use us because we know mm-hmm. we know how sinful and fallen um, and really an inadequate that we are. But for whatever reason, that is a part of his plan. You know, I think about every decision that anybody in the Bible ever made, every thought, every behavior, every action, it set into motion, whether it was good or bad, it set into motion what we're now experiencing, even now still today. You know, our lives really are so intertwined and woven together. And so I just think about how, um, I don't know, just the magnitude of that, even in our decisions today. You know, I think uh, growing up, um, my parents were wonderful parents, um, but they chose to get a divorce. And so that then set into motion um, me having step-siblings me having um, step parents, uh, and now even my children having multiple grandparents and multiple. And so uh, all that to say, like our decisions do shape more than what we think that they will in the moment. They're shaping future generations. And I think that that is just so important for us to think about um, when we do go about our lives, that our decisions and our actions do really matter. Our prayers really matter. We know all throughout scripture that God listens and he hears and he responds bonds to our prayers. And so I think that we just need to, um, you know, act as if it depends on us, but then pray and and trust that God, you know, everything eventually depends on him. But the fact that that we do get to partner with him, it's him that is going to take our little offerings a long way. So our job is just to say yes and, and be in tune with his Holy Spirit and be obedient to what we feel like he's calling us to do. Yeah. You know, as we gain a greater understanding of a significance from God's perspective, and we see the examples that you've talked about in Scripture, how can, how can we learn to break through our doubts, our insecurities? You know, God could never use me. I don't have any skills or whatever. How can we break through that in, in the years ahead? Yeah, this is something I've battled uh, really my whole life, just feeling very insecure. And it's interesting and a little bit ironic that I have the Love Offering podcast, and yet I doubt what I have to offer myself. And mm-hmm. so this has been something that I am, I've just been growing in and, and, and developing in and still have to look to the Lord every day. Um, but I think that I've realized that insecurity really is just a focus on myself, you know, sometimes mm. pride can be more of just a, an over focus on yourself too, but insecurity is in the same way. Like I don't have enough or I'm not good enough or I'm not smart or I'm not um, talented or gifted or whatever, you know, yeah. fill in the blank. And and so I think the key to this is to take our eyes off of ourselves and to, to keep our eyes on him, our gaze on him and what he is capable of. We actually aren't adequate. Yeah. Uh, we are weak and we do need him. We are dependent on him. And so in some ways I, I've now started to realize that my, like Paul says, I'm going to boast in my weakness because that's when I know that, you know, when I'm weak, God is strong. And so then I don't get any of the glory. He gets all the glory and he can then work in and through me. And the more dependent I am on him, the more inadequate and insecure I feel many times, uh, the more I have to say, Lord, I need you. You know, I'm in desperate need for you to show up and, and help me in the situation or in the circumstance or in the way that I'm I'm feeling. And so um, I think in many ways we do kind of need to look at ourselves like we he did create us from dust and it's him that breathed mm-hmm. life uh, into mm-hmm. us. And so we are small and inadequate without 
without him. And so I think that we just need to realize that it's him that makes us significant. It's him that makes our life meaningful and him that can make much out of our little. Yeah. It brings to my mind uh, what Jesus said in John 15 when he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, stay connected to me, you bear fruit. And then he said, without me, you can do nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, we can't. We can't even breathe without him. But then Paul said, but in him, I can do all things. Mm-hmm. And doesn't mean everything in the world, but I can do everything that God has in mind uh, you know, for my life. Uh, so, wow. So recognizing our insignificance can be good uh, and lead us to a sense of realizing, hey, with God, God wants to use me, so let me be faithful. Uh, it's great. How about as a mom or as a dad, uh, how do you pass these truths on to your children, the value of little things? Yeah, this this is so important to me because it's taken me so long to grasp. And I think, gosh, had I, had I grasped it so much earlier, it would have changed so much for me. Um, you know, I think about with my children and for those listening that do have children, you know, even when I found out I was pregnant, I loved my children. I mean, even just in my stomach, I started to learn to love them before they had done anything. And then I think about when I first held them in my arms for the very first time, they hadn't done anything. And I loved them uh, just Mm. for simply who they are. And I think that that more than anything, that's what I want my children to realize that they don't have to perform or strive or earn my love. There's nothing that they can do to make me love them anymore. And there's nothing they can do in anything less that they can do to, to make me love them any less. And, and so mm-hmm. I think that that's the, the main thing that I want them to know is that um, they don't have to do anything to earn the love, that they simply are loved for who they are. And we, we find this even in, in scripture, you know, in Genesis, when God created mankind, he looked upon his creation and he said it was it was very good before they had done anything. And then I flip over to the New Testament and Jesus, before he had officially launched into his ministry, he was being baptized and God the Father looked down upon his son and he said, this is my son with whom I'm pleased. And so that was again before he had really done all the miraculous things in his ministry, at least what we can see through um, the gospels and through scripture. And so I think even God wants... um, us to maybe love him for that too. You know, God, I love you simply for who you are and not because of what you do for me. Mm -hmm. And I certainly know that that's true of him with us. Like he loves us simply because of who we are and not what we do or accomplish. While there is good work for us to do, he he loves us already. Absolutely. And what ways have you seen God use small things to make a big difference in your own life? There are are so many ways, Um, but I think the one specific way that comes to my mind is belief, uh, a little belief in me. You know, I've had, I've had, of course, my parents and my friendships and teachers and coaches all throughout my life that have, have seen qualities in me and have encouraged me and believed in me. But specifically my husband, who I mentioned earlier, Brian, he when he, he knew I struggled with insecurity, um, I, I have as long as I've known him. He used to think I was fishing for compliments, but now he really realizes <laughs> that that I struggle in this area and need and and want validation and affirmation. And luckily, I, I've grown in only 
mostly needing that from the Lord and, and getting that validation and affirmation from the Lord. But uh, many years ago, Brian, he looked at me and he said, Rachel, if, if you could see yourself through my eyes, it, it would change your world. And I, I think about how the Lord may be speaking that over all of his children today. Like if you could only mm. see yourself the way I see you, it would change everything. Um, yeah. And I think that that's what he wants for us to, to look at his word and see how much he loves us and what he really thinks uh, about us. And, and, and then moving forward about a decade ago, I uh, really started getting serious about going to church and getting involved in church. You know, there's something about having children that makes you really, um, or made me really start to think, okay, what is it that I want to pass down to my children? What kind of values and character, character and morals and behaviors? And so we, Brian and I started getting really involved in church and one of the women there, her name is Sarah. She, um, she was, I was going to her women's uh, ministry Bible study on Wednesday nights. And she looked at me one, one night and said, Rachel, I I really see something in you. She said, I I feel like you should lead a, a Bible study. Would you be willing to do that? And it was something I didn't see at all in myself. Uh, mm-hmm. But she, for whatever reason, maybe it, it, the Holy Spirit, I suppose, saw that and then called that out in me. And I ended up saying yes and started leading a Bible study, which then ended up uh, morphing into me writing, which morphed into a podcast and and then morphed into me writing a devotional. And it's shaped so much of what I do now. So, you know, something as simple as my husband's belief in me and supporting my mm-hmm. dreams and encouraging me. And then a woman at Bible study just saying, would you lead a Bible Bible study. Um, And and, and again, I mean, that that was a decade ago and and my whole life is different because she was obedient to see that and and mention that to me. Um, And so I want to encourage everybody, you know, could, do you see something in somebody, you know, do you, do you want to help them believe in God first of all, but then help them to believe in themselves and what you feel like God may be directing them or see gifts or talents in them that maybe uh, could change the trajectory of their lives? Yeah. What's that old proverb that says, uh, life and death is in the power of the tongue? Mm-hmm. You know, so your husband spoke life into you <laughs> when he saw positive things in you. Or the pen, Gary. We've talked about this before, and I, I just uh, changed desks, and I went through all of these old uh, birthday cards and Father's Day cards and things like that, and I found several notes, handwritten notes from you that said, you know, want to encourage you uh, and, and you know, not just typed out or somebody, uh, you wrote this on, on a little piece of paper and I squirreled that away. <laughs> I think, Rachel, I think those words on a page can be things that come back to you down the road. Do you agree with that? Uh, 100%. And actually, um, I, I write about in my devotional, a little letter goes a long way. And my mom has been so instrumental in this. I mean, from the, the time I was little and she was putting uh, notes in my lunchbox on little post-it notes to, mm-hmm. um, she's just so good about, you know, the snail mail, really writing letters on stationery and in dollar store cards, even um, just an encouragement on Valentine's day or um, on birthdays, of course. And and I keep all of those notes. I mean, from the time I was little mm-hmm. till, till up until now, and she even does that for my children. But there was one specific instance that she 
had come for a visit at my house and I was having a really rough day that day for whatever reason. And, um, she left to, to return home. She lives in a couple States away, but she had left this note, just a simple little note. Like I'm proud of you. I don't even remember exactly what it said, but you know, I'm proud of you and I love you. Have a great day. And it was like that note came at the exact time that I needed it. And so we really don't know, you know, maybe it's even a text that you could send somebody. I know I've never received an encouraging text that I didn't appreciate. (laughs) And so, you know, for those that are listening, write that note, send that text. You just, you never know who will need it and what they need to hear and how they may be discouraged and need a little uplifting. And and maybe again, yeah, we can keep it as a reminder, especially those handwritten notes uh, for many years to come. Thanks for joining us today for Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman. You can find more simple ways to strengthen relationships online at buildingrelationships.us. We have some great resources. You can hear a podcast of the program, download the Love Nudge app, and find out about our featured resource. It's the book by Rachel Adams, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. Just go to buildingrelationships.us. Rachel, before the break, we were talking about uh, the power of sending written notes to people. And my wife is one of the best uh, at that. And it's just amazing. She, she can say positive things, you know, to people and, and people come back later and, and affirm her for what <laughs> the ministry she had in their lives. So it's those little things, you know, that, that really do make a difference. Now, in your book, uh, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life, uh, you talk about uh, that there's an action plan and, and prayer uh, for each of these readings. Uh, when, you, when they read the devotional, there's an action plan and there's a prayer. Uh, d- does that help people follow through with what they've just read? Absolutely. And I I do want to be clear, you know, it doesn't take 52 days for you to have a significant life. You already are significant. Um, But I do love, um, I do love this idea that we can, you know, 52 days or 52 weeks. And I do think it all does begin with prayer. You know, we've got to include God in this process, because as we talked about earlier, it's him that makes our, our lives significant. And so I do believe that it all starts with our every single day, Lord, use me. I want to be used by you. Help me to just open my eyes. Let me be receptive and aware and sensitive to your Holy Spirit leading. And so I think it all starts there. And that's why it was so important for me to include a prayer each day. And then the little tasks, you know, we're all so busy. We don't necessarily need more to do on our to-do list. Uh, But I I just want everybody to start valuing the little they're already doing. Many of these things are things you're already actively doing on any given day. I just want to create more of an awareness to it so that your eyes are open to it the ways that God is already working. Yeah. And we talked about uh, written notes and that sort of thing, but... Uh, what are some examples of simple gestures uh, that we can do to influence others in a positive way that demonstrates, you know, God's love to them? I, I, it was really important for me to look at the way that Jesus lived. You know, when you look at his, at his life, he was born as a baby in the tiny town of Bethlehem, and he never traveled outside a hundred mile radius. And you look at the way that he spent his time. He was likely a carpenter with his earthly father, Joseph. He likely studied the scriptures until he was a rabbi at the age of 30 and was able to launch into that full-time ministry. 
but even once he became a rabbi, you look at the at the gospels and how he lived his life. You know, he uh, attended funerals and and weddings. He uh, washed feet and he held children and he shared a lot of meals. You know, we mentioned some mm-hmm. of those really big multitude, you know, 4,000, 5,000 people that he ate with, but he also ate fish by the seashore with just a few disciples. And um, we see him sharing meals and table fellowship a lot. He, he prayed with people. Um, he, he noticed, uh, he invited people, he had conversations, he touched people in tender ways, um, and, and he prayed with people. And, and so I look at the way that he lived his life and I think, okay, I can have conversations. I can walk along the road or walk along the hallways of my workplace or the post office or the grocery store. I can start conversations. I can study the scriptures. I can pray with people. I can go to weddings and funerals, you know, I can hold children and I can, I can wash clothes and wash dishes, you know, and wash hands. I can do all those same things too. And so if nothing was too insignificant for the savior of the world, then nothing is too insignificant for me and, and for you. And so those simple gestures, that's prayer, it's being present, it's spending time with people, sharing meals and having conversations. It really is as simple as that. You know, the thing that also kind of takes it to another level is when Jesus said, as oft as you do these kind of things in my name, you do it to me. So so when you're washing dishes for your family, you're washing dishes for Jesus. Uh, That kind of takes it to another, another notch. So, uh, so, so, so powerful to just focus on the value of the little things, as you said, that we're already doing. Now you, you have a podcast. We mentioned that. Uh, what are you hearing from your listeners about how these concepts in the book are, are helping them? I have loved the the I, I release a podcast episode every single week, and so we've been going through this devotional and taking one of these topics and having a conversation with another person on each of of these fifty two topics, and I've loved that. Um, but I think what I'm hearing most and that I didn't anticipate, but it just thrills my heart. And this course, this is, again, I really am living out this message. Here's this little old woman from, you know, Somerset, Kentucky, a really small town. And I've just said yes. And I've offered what I felt like God laid on my heart, something that I've struggled with from my, my perspective. But a couple, a couple thoughts come to my mind. Um, I, I had this devotional. One of the local spas has it sitting uh, in the lobby, and the owner of the spa sent me a message that there was an an older man in his eighties that was reading my devotional as he was waiting on his wife to get her nails done. And he he looked at the book and he was reading the book for the couple hours that she was getting her her treatments, and he said, "This is one of the best books I've ever read." Mm-hmm. And he said, and it was just, it, it honestly blessed my heart so much. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because it doesn't matter what age we are or what gender we are, that we, we want to know that the, our daily actions, the unseen mundane things that they do really matter. And I'm hearing so often from those that are retired, you know, they're not, they're not working, they're not getting the validation from a paycheck, or they're not raising their children anymore. And they're physically not able to do what they once were able to do in previous seasons. And so maybe they are just able to have simple conversations or write a note or give an encouraging word. And for whatever reason, going back to circling back to 
our conversation at the beginning of the show about, you know, cultures telling us bigger is better. And so as, as we continue to um, maybe enter a new season of life and aren't able to do what we used to be able to do, we can start to question, well, maybe my life isn't significant now. But as I pointed out, you know, as, as children, we're significant as teenagers, as college ages, you know, that middle age or, or even into the nursing home, there's still, God still has you on this planet. There's still work for you to do and you can make an impact. Um, whether you realize it or not. And I think we're going to get to heaven one day and God will pinpoint and show us um, all the many, many ways that that we made a, a big difference and didn't even realize it at the time. Yeah. You know, that what you just said reminded me of a pastor friend of mine many years ago who came down with a disease that rendered him almost totally uh, unable to do almost anything. He just had to lay in bed. He couldn't walk. He couldn't move his arms. The only thing he could do was move his head, his neck, up and down in the bed. And the library came out and set up a little contraption so that we could put a book in there, and he would come down with his neck, and it would turn it to the next page. So he, he would read books that way. But he also was praying for people. And I gave him, if I was doing anything, I'd let him know what I was doing so he could pray for me. And a lot of other people started doing that. So, you know, even when we get older and we are incapacitated in many ways, we can't do the things we used to do. There's an example of a man who was making the most of what he had, you know, and having a tremendous ministry uh, through prayer. So, yeah, what you're saying is just so significant. Can I just add this too, Gary? Because I think about this in, in your life, in your ministry. You weren't always a New York Times bestseller, you know, bestselling author. You weren't always, you didn't always have your radio program. I mean, there were there was a time in your life when the mission board turned you and your wife down because, no, it's not a fit here for us. And you were a pastor in that church. And I see you doing the same thing that you were doing 40 or 50 years ago. <laughs> You're doing now, it's just that your the scope of your ministry is has widened. You're no more significant now than you were then. It's just that there are more people. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Yeah, more people are aware. You know, uh, I'm being touched by my ministry, but yeah, it was the same. God. I mean, I, I, <laughs> it's all God, and we, it's a, yes. and so you know, whether we're young, whether we're old, whatever gifts we have, just invest them. You know, uh, like Rachel is doing. This is just not only your book, but your example. Rachel is just powerful here. So yes, well, and that's what I, th- I hear you saying, Rachel. Whatever it is that you're doing right now, just do it with all your heart. And and see what God will do. You don't have to. You don't have to have a bestseller with this book in order for you to be significant, right? Right. And you know, I do, I do hope everybody hears. You know, I I know that God works in really big miraculous ways. He is a big miraculous God, and He can certainly do that. And I think you know we can even read the Bible that way and just highlight those those big moments that God worked in people's lives and forget all the little ways and the daily ways that they had to trust Him and, and be faithful. And the same is true true for our lives. I think so. I don't want to demonize the big ways that God works, but I also don't want us to discount those small ways. And as you all were talking, I was actually thinking of a story from Franklin Graham. I had read an article written about him. And of course, we know he he um, led thousands of people to the Lord. But this article I read about him said that he 
feels like he would have accomplished so much more if he would have spent more time uh, reading God's word and, and spending more time on his knees in prayer. And so again, those are those, there's, there's both, you know, we can, we can preach and teach on a stage, but we can also accomplish just as much or more, um, by reading God's word alone and and by spending time with him in prayer. And so, um, you know, and I think about the impact that Franklin Graham has had and Billy Graham have had, um, on, on this world. But then I also think about, you know, my, my husband's grandmother who has spent her whole life caring for, um, her, her husband, my husband's grandfather and spent time with the nurse at the nursing home with him and helping to take care of him, even though when she didn't need to be there and he had Alzheimer's and I don't know, I just think about there, there's, there's, everybody has value and it just looks different. And so I think we just, again, have to be faithful wherever we are with whatever gifts God has given us and just steward that time and those resources and those gifts well. This is Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Five Love Languages. Rachel Adams is our guest, and if you go to buildingrelationships.us, you'll see her book titled, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. Find out more at buildingrelationships.us. Rachel, in our, in our last segment, let me ask you this question. What part does gratitude play in all of this? And how might a little gratitude change others' lives? Uh, I feel like gratitude is such a perspective shift to just truly be grateful for the lives that God has given us and be content and just trust his providence. Like he, he doesn't make mistakes. And so he's given us what we need when we need it. And at at the, the, the story that's coming to my mind is the, the 10 lepers. And when Jesus is um, only one leper comes back to say, thank you um, to Jesus for his healing. And so, so I, I just think about ourselves and, you know, are we, are we the nine that, that receive so many blessings or are we the one that come back and, and say thank you and are appreciative to God for, for what he's given us? And so I think we just need to focus on what we have. We maybe can keep a record of God's faithfulness, you know, journal and really reflect on how much he's given us. I think that that will just change so much as, as opposed to looking at everybody else and what everybody else has and, and maybe being discontent in that way, but to really reflect and, and be thankful for the little ways that God is working, the little ways he's provided, the daily bread he's given us, the little miracles. I know for me, I've, I've seen many more little miracles than the really big miracles. But I think in many ways, that is the big miracle that he continues to work and be present in our lives and just to focus on the little glimpses of goodness throughout our days. And I think the more that we open our eyes and are grateful for those little glimpses and those those ways that God shows up and is present in our lives, the more that we even get encouraged and expectant and hopeful uh, to, to believe and look for those ways that he'll continue to be present. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many there for all of us, even those who don't have a father in the home, for example, you know, and they can feel like, well, everybody else has a father and I don't have a father. Well, thank God for your mother, you know. <laughs> you have a mother there. So, you know, wherever we are, and, and I think sometimes we kind of get upset with God if he doesn't, you know, give us the things that we we want for ourselves. But uh, if we realize there's so many things to give thanks for, even though we may be struggling. Uh, talk a little bit about the power of forgiveness. I know you have a devotional on this, the power of forgiveness as an act of love. 
and what that can do for our relationships. Yeah, we we all need forgiveness. Um, you know, we obviously none of us are perfect, and we're all sinful and fallen human beings. And we know that that we have been forgiven much, and as much as we've forgiven, we need to forgive others. And and so, you know, the Bible talks about you know, are we supposed to forgive seventy times, seven times? You know, there's no end to that forgiveness for us, and and there shouldn't be for other people. And that God forgives our sins as far as the east is from the west. And so, if that's the way that He treats us. Uh, with his help, with his Holy Spirit's mm-hmm. leading, yeah. then that's how we can um, treat the people in our lives. We all need mercy. We all need grace. We all need forgiveness. And so when we don't extend those things to the people around us, then how do we expect God to, to extend that to us? And so I think that that's, you know, it, it says a little bit of forgiveness, but really it probably should be a lot of forgiveness because mm-hmm. we've been yeah. forgiven a lot and we need to forgive each other a lot. Yeah. Um, but that's how we continue to, to keep and develop our relationships. We have to. Yeah. Have to keep removing the barriers that uh, have been created when someone offends us. Yeah. You write this in the book, uh, and I'm quoting here, interruptions can be frustrating. We all have things we want to do and things that need to get done. So we don't like anything that gets in the way of those plans. But what would happen if we changed our perspective to see interruptions as opportunities to embrace God's plan rather than obstacles to our agenda. Uh, address that uh, concept. I am, as, as everybody's kind of gotten to know me, probably realize I'm very performance-oriented, achievement. I love a schedule. I love a routine. I love a to-do list. I love to cross things off of my to-do list. And I've even been known to add things on my to-do list that I've already done just so I have the gratification of crossing it off. And so, um, you know, when I can get, I can get uh, very much to be a a project over people type person. And I don't want to be that way. Um, But we have our own timeline and our calendar and our agenda. And so when, when things kind of bump into that, um, for example, I, I, I tell a story in the devotional about how I was at a coffee shop and I had a deadline and I had my earbuds in and I had my, uh, my keyboard and I was just ready to stay focused on, on this project in front of me. And then in walks a person that said hello and I could just sense in, <laughs> through the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you need to pull out your earbuds and close your laptop and, and see this person in front of you. Well, it ended up a a couple hour conversation and she ends up hugging me and says that you don't know how much I needed to have this conversation today. Thank you so much for Mm -hmm. making space for me. And in that moment, I was so thankful that I listened to the Lord, um, that I put Mm -hmm. a person over the project for that day. And I think so often I, I can get so caught up in, even in my own home, you know, I'm doing laundry and and dishes and, and making meals. And, you know, my own children are like, will you just sit with me? Or mom, you've not even given me a hug today. You know, where I feel like my love is, you know, packing the lunch. They, they maybe just want me to sit and, and, and give them a hug. And so just yeah. to be mindful though, of it, you know, yes, there is good, good work for us to do. Yes. We need to uh, not be lazy and be diligent. And of course, you know, steward our time and resources like we've talked about well. But we also just need to not forget the, the value of, of people and be willing to just let the Holy Spirit lead and not be so busy um, that we that we can't pay attention to other people. Maybe leave a little bit of space in your calendar so you can just be obedient to those Holy Spirit leadings throughout your day. Yeah, yeah. I think all of us can identify with that. 
Rachel, as we come to the end of our conversation today, uh, let me ask you this question. Ultimately, what do you hope people are going to take away from your book, A Little Goes a Long Way? I really hope that people realize how significant they already are. Uh, You know, we are God's workmanship. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are created in His image and and we're beloved. We're his beloved, again, apart from anything that we do. So you're significant already, and everything you do is important. You know, the big and the small, God is going to use it all. And so we just have to offer him our little, be willing and be obedient, and let him take the little a long way. And I think something that somebody, a friend of mine, challenged me with uh, years ago was, Rachel, are you okay being the one to plant the seed and, and never experience the harvest? And I think that that's what we all need to kind of keep in mind in many ways. Many of these small things, little things, we're not always going to see immediate, tangible results or fruit. It may remain unseen until eternity, but I think we just need to trust that God's going to use it, that it's God that's going to take it a long way, and that He's going to work little by little, that He's, you know, He created the, the whole universe little by little. Yes, He could have created instantaneously with a snap of His fingers, but There's a purpose in his little by little approach to life. There's a purpose in the way that he he rescues us and sanctifies us and sharpens us um, and is molding us little by little uh, more into um, his likeness. And so I just pray that people realize that, again, they're significant as they already are and everything they do is important. And he is the one that will take our little a long way. It reminds me uh, what you said about planting seeds and never seeing the fruit, you know, maybe not living long enough to see the fruit. But I think when we plant the seeds, you know, we're serving God's purpose. Some plant seeds, some see the harvest. It's rewarding even when we don't see the fruit because we know we did what we should do. We did our part. Well, Rachel, I want to thank you for being here today and thank you for taking time to write this book. And uh, I I believe God is going to use it to help uh, those who read it recognize, first of all, what you just said, their own significance. Without doing anything, they're significant because they're made in God's image. And then the little things they do with whatever God has given them, whatever abilities God has given them, doing those things has tremendous impact in the kingdom of God. So thanks for what you're doing in the kingdom. And it was great to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me. What an encouraging conversation about those little things that can make a big difference. If you'd like to read more about what Rachel has put on the page, go to buildingrelationships.us. You'll see her book, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. Again, it's by Rachel Adams. Go to buildingrelationships.us. And next week, stories of the five love languages in action. Don't miss the encouragement for your relationships in one week. Before we go, let me thank our production team, Steve Wick and Janice Backing. Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman is a production of Moody Radio in association with Moody Publishers, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.